Welcome back to the most popular podcast in the world with, what, 42 million, million views? <laughs> or at least the most popular podcast. For Oklahoma politics. Oklahoma and the state capitol. Yeah. Inside the capitol, I'm Josh West. And I'm Colin Walkie. Well, welcome back. Uh, we brought some special guests in here today, like always. But before we get into that, we're going to give you the progress of House Bill 1602, the Oklahoma Data Privacy Act, that has seemed to tank. What the? <laughs> so it, here's what happened is is we received word yesterday that uh the senate judiciary chair uh senator julie daniels who's a- actually kind of ironically never practiced law a day in her life uh has decided to kill hb 1602 uh without a hearing and what that means is is we had 85 house of representatives members who represent roughly 37,000 constituents each that's 3.1 million oklahomans whose voices have been silenced by a single person and what horrible timing for this because just four days ago a lawsuit class action was filed against google 600 pages in length showing that even though google tells you they do not buy or sell your data in fact they do and they violate that oath billions of times every day and so uh this is truly a sad situation uh because the people of the state of oklahoma want a hearing on this and it didn't even happen what are your thoughts josh well, I'm, like I said last time, this is a this is ebbs and flows, like every piece of legislation. But I and I don't get married to legislation, but I'm attached to this thing like it's a baby, right. like it's my baby. We've yeah. been working on it for because, a year and a half, it's, and, and it's not just about what we've been doing to work on it, how hard it's been. It's also been that this is what our constituents want. This absolutely. is what our constituents need. I, I'm seriously, I, from from a constituent standpoint, I have not received a single negative comment on the fact that we're trying to ensure that your personal data is is held personal and secured, unless you want to release it. Not a single, from anywhere, urban, rural, Republican, Democrat, independent, libertarian, doesn't matter. Everybody supports ensuring that they have a say in their privacy, and that's what what makes me mad about this. And it also makes me mad because we had a deal cut. Uh, with the industry, we had ended yeah. up agreeing to some language, and you know, the, a lot of the industry wanted it, but apparently, and I'm going to probably guess it's AT and T didn't want to have it, uh, and that's fine because that just means that for the next year, Josh West and I get to campaign on uh, data privacy and make this uh, make the public even more aware of it and demand a hearing next year. I mean, it's not something that's so far out there that we're crazy. That's right. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how if you don't have if if you don't think. Uh, or if you think it's okay for for data for your personal data to be sold without your without your knowledge, then I don't know anybody who thinks that's okay. Including honestly. your children's. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. children, uh, spouses. It, I mean, it's so they can get it so specific when you're talking about like Alexas and stuff in your house. They can tell if it's a single parent in the house. They can tell if it's a police officer, military member, a lawyer, whatever, just by your conversations that are having your house and what you're ordering from Amazon, whatever the case. And so, and nine times out of ten, I don't care that you have my information. I, I don't care that I'm looking up hunting boots on Amazon. I get a pop-up ad. Do I really care? No, but it's the fact that I don't have a say in it. So it's out of principle now. Is yeah. what, it's what I'm, I'm heating up. And you up don't have a say in who they sell it to, China, no, whomever. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's where we're at. And um, but we're going to keep the fight up. Don't worry, Oklahomans. Josh West and Colin Walkie and the other 85 members of the House of Representatives have your back, and we're out here to help do Yeah, I mean, it's you. not a hard decision for me. I mean, it's for, I, don't, I don't think it's a hard – I get the business side of it, but what's more important? right at the end of the day and so you know we'll keep tracking this thing we'll keep pushing as much as we can and and we're gonna do our job 
That's right. And speaking of doing our jobs, we got a great team here with us today to talk about uh, another part of our job, which is redistricting this year. Mm-hmm. So we've got Representative Brian Martinez, Representative Daniel Pay, both Republicans. And uh, just like it is in the House, they outnumber the Democrat who's here today, which is uh, Representative Emily Virgin as well, Minority Leader for the Democratic Caucus. So I want to say welcome to all of you. And I think, so Representative Martinez, Representative Virgin, you guys are the chairs. Is that, is that set up? You guys are co-chairs or chairs of the redistricting yeah, so uh, I think technically I'm the chair. Chair. And these co-bice are two. Okay, we got the two co vice chairs. That's what we got. Daniel Payne. They're doing too. great work and are just as involved. So it's a pretty sometimes ominous or ominous task yeah. at times. I would think because you got 101 people uh, that all represent different parts of the state, different constituent bases, and everybody wants something. I mean, I know I'm looking at my district and how it's you know, either most rural members have to grow. And if you're on the eastern side of the state like me, I can't grow any further east because I'm already I'm already yeah. touching Arkansas and Missouri. So we have to grow uh, towards the west, towards you know Tulsa and Claremore up my way. And so, but everybody's got you know everybody's constituents. This was a process that was meant to be transparent. That's why the everybody. Um, that's why we separated up, yeah, bipartisanship, and it was set up to where we had a, a series of, of meetings throughout the whole state of Oklahoma, where every district, uh, every redistricting district, uh, those were open meetings that were open to the public, and they were held all over the state. And so that was the whole point of doing that, so the constituents could have a say in, in you know how their district is. Yeah, absolutely. Represented. So that that was one thing that I think everyone kind of decided early on is. The more engagement we can get from constituents, the better. We want the people of Oklahoma. This is their process. This is their map. This is their. These are their districts. Yeah. So we need to hear from from uh, our constituents and people that are uh, involved and care about what this looks like. And we have um, also something that we're right in the middle of is if you're interested in submitting a map, please do it. We want to see it. Yeah. Um, there are a couple parameters. We just ask that you do the whole state. Um, because just remember, anytime you move one line, mm-hmm. you affect everybody else in the state. So uh, yeah. we want you to be part of that. We'll be setting up a time where you could even come and talk about your map in front of the committee mm-hmm. and uh, really show us what you're thinking, and we really encourage that. So as the chair, kind of walk us through the from start how this process started last year when we started having a conversation when, when they when they separated the state in different regions. So moving forward from that point, how does it work yeah. for the listeners out there? Yeah, so perfect. So it's it's interesting because I think there are, are I want to say, two members that were here during the last redistricting. Besides that, nobody else was in this body. So there was a lot to learn and a lot of facts and ideas and suggestions. Uh, so as, as mentioned before, we broke everything down um, into subcommittees. So we did that based on geography. So there are subcommittees that kind of broke the state, so uh, those committees can focus on that specific region. Um, One thing that has thrown a little bit of a kink in the works is we were supposed to have data from the U.S. Census Bureau. Um, We were supposed to have the first data at the end of December of last year or early January. Mm -hmm. We still don't have it. And then our final block-level data would have been here um, at the end of April, and that's looking like that might be September. So, constitutionally, as a state, we, as the legislature, we have to have a, we have to have um, our boundaries in place this month. Is that correct? So, so yeah. Before we leave, before we leave here for session, that's that's what the Constitution says. Now, I think it'd be interesting. I'm not an attorney. There are some attorneys in here that are much brighter on this than me, but I, I think there would be an interesting conversation that happens. I don't think the Constitution ever anticipated that the U.S. Census Bureau wouldn't give yeah. us the data. Um, it's not something that's happened in the past. Um, obviously, this kind of happened during a pandemic, so 
there's some grace there and it's an issue that all states are dealing with. However, we do have some pretty good data, and that's 2019 ACS data is what it's called. And that's actually the same organization, the Census Bureau, that does community surveys mm-hmm. in between uh, actual uh, census times. So we have pretty good data. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move forward with that data, uh, draw the districts accordingly with that, and uh, taking public input. And I feel pretty good about that process. So um, Leader Virgin, we've got Leader Virgin and Represent Pay here. So as um, co-vice chairs of this, what has been your experience up, up so far? Emily, you want to? Yeah, so. You may have to get closer there. This microphone's are So, uh, sorry. <laughs> I just stepped on Daniel's foot. Whoops. Um, so, I was one of those members who was here the last time that we went through redistricting. And I will say I was impressed with the, with the openness and transparency that time. But it really has taken uh, that to a new level during this process. I think that we've done a better job this time of involving the public. And the public map submission is something that we didn't have when we went through this process in 2011. So I think that's a really cool part. It's kind of nerdy, but if if people have strong feelings about what legislative districts should look like, they get to submit that and they get to come testify before a committee and tell us why it should be that way. And so I think that's a really neat aspect. And I, you know, commend Chairman Martinez and our our amazing redistricting staff for making that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I, I think with the with the timing, it's made this time pretty unique as compared to 2011, because we did already have the data. And so that's different this time. But I, I think that Chairman Martinez was was correct in saying that, you know, the data that we have is is really good. So I'm not concerned about not having up to date data to work off of. But the interesting thing for I think if if people are interested in the in the legal aspects of it, I think the Constitution just says it, it sets a, a limit after we receive after the census is completed. Correct. So what does completed, completed yeah, yeah, sure. mean? Mm-hmm. And so I mean I think technically the census is completed now, but we don't have the data. Yeah. Um, so that's that's something interesting. I think we'll meet that time uh, that time period regardless. But uh, it's it's something that I don't think has ever happened before. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Pay. What do you? What's some of the obstacles that you've seen as the, as one of the co-vice chairs? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be on the mo- the world's most popular uh, <laughs> podcast and uh, discussing a very uh, important um, topic. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, redistricting only happens once every ten years, and so it's really an honor to work with uh, Chair Martinez and Leader Virgin um, on this important uh, committee. Um, I think it's been really cool to see uh, from the beginning how you had the town halls throughout the state of Oklahoma, and some were even virtual uh, to accommodate for the pandemic. Um, and it, when I was in Lawton for our redistricting town hall, we had an incredible turnout, uh, lots of great questions. People just wanted to learn more about what exactly this process looks like, and that's the whole point of those town halls. Um, I do want to echo what Leader, Leader Virgin said about we have an incredible um, house redistricting office. The staff, uh, they're incredibly knowledgeable. They know. Uh, the ins and outs of this process, and we're very lucky to have them on board. Uh, to answer your question, I'd say the biggest obstacle is COVID-19 and the fact that this pandemic has uh, dramatically affected our entire society, and certainly that's um, impacted our redistricting process. The fact that we haven't gotten the data uh, as scheduled, uh, we're hoping the, 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 the apportionment, the big number, 
about a month from now, and that will be the first indicator of where we go uh, with the rest of the process. Uh, but there's no doubt the pandemic's impacted um, how this process plays out. Uh, we've been flexible and uh, we're grateful for our uh, committee members um, as we've taken it step by step and heard from the Census Bureau. Uh, it's important for the folks at home to know this is not an Oklahoma issue. This is happening nationwide in the 49 other states uh, with their uh, redistricting processes. Uh, so we're all going through some unprecedented times, and um, I think I'm confident uh, that we'll, we'll get through it together. So one of the questions that, that I have, and I've gotten from constituents as well, is, you know, there's been discussion before about independent redistricting committees, right? And part of the long term, I think, a, a theory behind that, at least, is, is that whenever we create districts that protect incumbents, it results in further political divisions because if you're in a safe Republican seat, you've got to run to the right. If you're in a safe Democratic seat, you've got to run to the left to scare off uh, primary voters or, 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 or opponents. And so in that regard, I'd like to ask you all, you know, what's what would be different, if anything, from your perspectives uh, with an independent redistricting commission versus what we're doing now. So I'd just like to open that and, up. And the see. stigma is always out there that, oh, you guys, we gerrymandered, whatever. And, and I, I can say that that's – we look at the way my district is going to grow. That's certainly not true. And I, Chairman yeah. Martinez, you want to comment on that? Yeah. That's always something that's in the media. Yeah, sure. About. So I do think that there have been cases – and I don't think necessarily in Oklahoma. Oklahoma has had a pretty good tradition of keeping this a pretty open process. Now, there have been other states that have been pretty egregious. And uh, – the courts have thrown it out. I mean, the, you are, it's pretty clear that they're drawing lines for political purposes. Um, I will just say, even in the data that we have and that we use in our software to draw maps, it doesn't have political data. So when so when we're looking at the uh, makeup of a district, I have no idea how many Republicans or Democrats are there or independents or anything else. Um, so that's something that we thought was important early on was that we weren't even looking at that data to begin with. And uh, I think it's a point well taken. I would say this. I'd push back a little bit and say to have an independent commission, you know, there are some interesting ideas there. I do think that representatives of a district, of a group of people, have a very unique perspective on the district. I mean, I know everybody in this building knocked on a lot of doors. You've been up and down all those streets. You know a lot of the people. Without running for office, I don't think you really get that perspective. I feel like you kind of know that area better than just about anybody. Uh, maybe some realtors in the area might know it as well. But besides that, you really get to know the makeup of that. You get to kind of see what the different, uh, you know, maybe the breakdowns are, or maybe, uh, you know, groups of interest that want to be together. You really get to know that in a, in a way that you want it in any other way. So I think there's a lot of value to that knowledge for having uh, members involved. But also there's an accountability factor. If we do a really bad job at this, I have to apply for my job a year and a half from now. So do you. So does everybody in this room. And believe me, I think if, if there was something that my constituents didn't like about this or didn't feel like it was transparent or fair, I think that I'd pay for it at the ballot box and I might not get my job back. So I always think that there's that level of accountability. In the end, the people get to say and how we did it, and they get to review our, our work. So, Leader Virgin, what do you think? Yeah, so I've been supportive of independent commissions in the past, but I, I see the positives and the negatives of it. What I think is the most important aspect is that we have bias as the incumbent legislators. So we are going to look at this regardless of whether we have political data or not. 
we're going to look at it and say, oh, well, I know that this is where a bunch of Republicans live or this is where a bunch of Democrats live. And so while we don't have access to political data because what Chairman Martinez said, we've been on the ground, we know these communities, we know where the more conservative and liberal areas are. Um, I think that the process that we're undertaking right now is about as good as it gets when you have incumbents drawing their own districts. I just, I, I fundamentally have a problem with that, the, that incumbents are drawing their own districts. And that's not to take away from this process at all, because I think it's a good one. But what we do is we start from our current districts. So we don't start from scratch. Um, that is something that I think an independent redistricting commission probably does, is start from scratch and make sure that everything makes sense every 10 years rather than sort of tinkering with existing lines. Um, and and I think that, that Chairman Martinez is right, that Oklahoma, at least the House, hasn't been an example of egregious gerrymandering. But what you do see across the country and why a lot of these independent redistricting commissions have popped up are those egregious instances where the districts just don't make sense. They are clearly made to protect a Democrat or protect a Republican. And both parties are guilty of this. I, I want to stress that, that it's not something right, the that... The political divide in that, has, has, it's a Democrat-Republican right. issue. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I will say that, that, you know, I'm not sure that the problem is as bad with state legislative districts. When you look at congressional districts, that's sometimes where the real problems come in. Because when you look at... What's funny to me is to look at the approval rating of Congress as a whole but then to look at everybody gets reelected, basically. Um, so it's like we, we hate Congress, but we like our person. Um, and that really doesn't ever change because those districts a lot of times are drawn to protect the incumbent. And so I think what you said, Colin, is really important that this process sometimes can serve to deepen those divides and push us further to the right and to the left. I don't necessarily see that happening in the House process this time, but as a general principle, I think that this process lends itself to that. So one of the groups, I think, that tried to get something about, was it, was it Scott Melson with Let's Fix yeah, This? Was let's he fix this. So and Let's Anthony Fix This. Moore. Yeah, and Anthony, Anthony they, they yeah. tried to do an initial petition, I believe, that, and it, would, it wouldn't have been judges? Is that what, it, what they were trying to get on? I don't remember the specifics. It was, yeah. it was like retired... I think the retired judges or justices would have selected a citizen committee. So people across the state would have applied to do this. And mm -hmm. then they would all go into some sort of pool, Republican, Democrat, Independent. Mm -hmm. And then these retired judges would pick from that pool yeah. um, who was made up on the commission. So, so I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, I mean, it's an interesting idea, but something that really gives me heartburn on that is accountability mm -hmm. and where does the public come into this so you have this independent committee that's created let's face it your average citizen is going to have no idea who's on that what's going mm -hmm. on how to influence that process how to be part of it. you're just going to have some random people that were picked by retired judges doing this now if that were the case let's all hope they would be fair and reasonable and do a great job we could assume that but when does the public get to come and say hold on this is some unelected bureaucrat, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And we see a lot of that in the world that we live in. And any time there's some unelected bureaucrat, it's really hard to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. um, I would argue that the people, and believe me, they do, they get a hold of me. 
a lot, and that's fine. It's great. I'm excited to hear from them. Uh, but they know. They know us. Your constituents know who you are. Um, the people that want to engage say, I could text Colin Walkie. I could shoot him a, an email. Uh, I have Ryan Martinez's cell phone. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that that's something that you lose with an independent commission, that I haven't seen a way to overcome that. And maybe there's ideas, but I don't know. That's one thing that I see lacking in that um, that has caused heartburn to me. Well, and like you said, in the House – Hey, we, we're on the ballot every two years. We are held accountable. I have no reason to mislead or lie to anybody in my district because i got to go see them at church and at ball games and at the grocery store, and especially in rural Oklahoma. I th- oftentimes I talk about it, I think it's more personal mm-hmm. just because, well, you, you come down here. I've been to, I've been to, with other members to, to Walmart. They can walk through Walmart and get their shopping done. <laughs> no one knows who I am. It, I got a Walmart. It may turn into a, a two-hour trip, and that's yep. and I like that because I always feel like I got a peg on my district because people, they don't hold back, and yeah. if they're happy or sad or mad, they're gonna come tell me what's going on and what they're thinking, and and I don't mind that. I like that, and so we are held up accountable to our constituents, and and at, and, and we don't have four years in between, you know, terms. These are two-year terms, and and. You know, if they're not happy with the job we're doing, then they won't keep us in office. What about you, Pay? What do you think? I wanted to piggyback off your point, Josh, uh, and the fact that one of the major changes from the process for this year uh, for the regional committees, every member of the House of Representatives uh, is a member of their respective regional committee. And so they are held accountable to their constituents, and they are a a part of the uh, process itself. Um, They attend the town halls. They go through everything uh, from beginning to end. And so... Uh, whenever we do have the maps um, finalized, uh, it will be uh, going through the legislative process just like any uh, bill does. So there'll be time for questioning. There'll be time for vetting uh, the maps and making sure we have the details correct. Uh, and, th- and that's all public. I want to emphasize that this has been a transparent uh, process. It hasn't been you know, closed doors with only a few people uh, deciding the, what happens. Uh, it's been a very people-driven, transparent uh, process from the beginning. Um, I think that's uh, we can be an example to the rest of the yeah. country in that respect. And, and you talk about like so myself, I'm eastern, I'm far northeastern Oklahoma. So I, I've said it before. I touch my district touches Missouri, Arkansas, and I'm like 20 miles from Kansas. But every member on the eastern side of the state is a Republican member. You talk about gerrymandering. We all have to grow. So I look at what what uh, and I feel bad for for uh, Quinn downstairs. She's working her tail off and she, yeah. she stopped by the other day and, and was going to talk about it. And at the end, she's like, that's the last time I, I give you a heads up Wes. And I was like, Hey, well, I appreciate you for doing it, but yeah. I, I can't gerrymander. I got to grow regardless. And everybody on that side of the state has to grow. And so, uh, it is what it is. And, and when, and I've talked to former members of my district, I'm fortunate that I've got three of my predecessors that are, that are still living and, and we get together often and I pick their brains and, um, you know, people don't necessarily vote for, for Josh West in District 5 because he's Republican. They vote for him because they know him. Because um, I got a lot of Democrats that vote for me, too, in my district. And so um, – Yeah, in every district, the target number is 39,000, looks like, just yeah. based on our yeah. population growth over the past 10 years. What, we're what we're we, now about 38,000, give or take. So, so we have, what, a 5% a five so, percent yeah, fluctuation? So it or? looks like about a 5% growth overall statewide. So we're mm-hmm. not going to gain or lose a congressional seat based off of population um, really, the interesting thing is you see this this shift in the movement of people in Oklahoma, and it's not necessarily only Oklahoma, it's a national thing, yeah. where people are moving out of rural areas into more urban and suburban areas. So that's where you see more of the struggle, not, not necessarily a massive amount of population growth or loss, 
but this shift in population. Mm-hmm. And so, I, th- I think I was, I was talking to Quinn. I said, I will be, it'd be very interesting to see when the final numbers come out from the feds, because I just look, I look at my school districts within my district and I got a ton of them. Um, they have all, I've got a lot more kids in those schools than I had 10 years ago. So I was talking to Quinn. I'm like, I don't know how my district could have shrank. And so it'll be, and, and these numbers may change again a little bit sure. once we get the, the numbers from the feds in. And so, are you guys, do you think we're looking at a, a special to, to finalize this thing? Is that something that is being talked about? or? So, so I, I hate to break the news to you if you haven't heard. We will be in special session. And, and that's because um, – so the House districts, the state House and state Senate districts, mm-hmm. there is a deviation allowed yeah. in there. So it doesn't have to be spot on to the person. Congressional seats, you don't have that luxury. Spot on. We're talking spot on, person for person match. Uh, so you don't really have any room to play with. So we have to wait to get those precise block data numbers mm-hmm. to really draw a congressional plan. Well, so, and so. I know my district, a lot of people that were not just out of state people, but people that lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma City, that a lot of people were working from home during the you know first of COVID, especially the first six months. People were doing a lot of in the health you know care community, a lot of telemed. My wife was doing telemed, um, and so they were able to work from home. And are, are there was just people that were upset about their local you know, mayors from some of these cities and they moved to rural Oklahoma and yeah. came on the lake. And, and, um, yeah. and so it's not every rural district has shrank. And so that's why it'll be very interesting to see the final numbers. Cause I know that growth has yeah. grown itself. Well, and it's not that it's like my district in central Norman is about as developed as it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm not ever going to gain or lose a whole lot of population, Hopefully, I don't lose a whole lot of population, but uh, everybody wants to move to Norman, right? Um, so during September, at least. Exactly, Rumor. exactly. We yeah. do have we do have uh, those those influxes, but so what's important though is that not necessarily that your district has lost population, but that it just hasn't gained as much population as other parts of the mm-hmm. state. So that's what my district has remained fairly stable, but. As we grow as a state over time, all of our districts are going to get a little bit bigger. Um, so it's not – I know that some rural districts have actually lost population. Yeah. But a lot of the urban and suburban, the only reason they're getting bigger is because we just have more people throughout the state. Yeah. What's it take to, to get an extra congressperson? Would we have to get above $4 million? Yeah, it'd be significantly higher. I, I want to say – I can't remember what that exact number is. We're not – close to it i, mean, I, I think there was there were some states that lost um yeah. congressional delegates yeah. california lost california illinois or and there's always winners and losers in this process yeah. across, across the country texas has been the big winner it seems like consistently a lot mm-hmm. of people are moving there uh it's growing a lot so i think they picked up five congressional seats really wow. say. Uh, that's a lot yeah so a lot and they're continuing the growth and i mean go drive around dallas for a while right. and you'll, yep. you'll believe it you know yeah. uh i want to make one comment about this this shift in population it's not all doom and gloom. I think some people here are like, hey, rural America is dying and we're leaving. I do think that there's some good news. I think you're seeing what used to happen is somebody would grow up in a rural community in Oklahoma, they'd move to Dallas. Yeah. What you're seeing is not only they're not moving, maybe they're going to Tulsa, maybe they're going to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. We're keeping a lot keeping of the talent the within our state. Yeah. They might not stay in the small town they grew up in, but they know that Oklahoma City or Tulsa or one of the more urban areas is an option for them yeah. mm-hmm. and there are opportunities. So I think that's really good. News. Especially within yeah. a healthcare professional field. We want right. to, cause we, we always push um, with our youth. Um, when we're talking specifically in that, in that medical field, we want them to, to go do those jobs and we want them to get educated in those, you know, 
doctors and nurses and nurse practitioners and whatever the, the whole community but we want them to stay in Oklahoma and a lot of them like you said were going to Dallas or Kansas City or wherever and so they're starting to stay in Oklahoma and, and that's the, some of the policy that we've all helped support while we've been here yeah so. I'll have a whole bunch of friends from Lawton that you come to Oklahoma City or to Tulsa um, yeah. so it's definitely uh, happening for sure well where are we at in this process so at what stage are we at chairman martinez <laughs> so uh i think we're getting to the, the really fun part so we uh we have <laughs> had Putting the puzzle pieces together. yeah so so we've been I, it's a it's a good way to put it is we've been designing the puzzle pieces with the public so we yeah. did over 20 town hall meetings mm-hmm. where the public was engaged we still have the map submission process going on by the way if you're interested contact your representative contact my office this is an ongoing conversation. So been. our liaison, per se, was what, former Speaker of the House, T.W. Shannon. Correct. He attended yeah. every one of those 20-plus meetings throughout the state. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So to help collect that data and the conversation, so, so we've kind of started to shape what the puzzle pieces look like based off of those conversations. The next step is trying to fit them all together yeah. in, in a way that makes sense and that's fair and reasonable. So we're at that stage, and I think that's where it gets pretty interesting. And there's 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 nobody that's going to get exactly what they want. This, no way. This whole yeah. thing is a big batch of compromise, um, and that's just the way it is. We, yeah. Like I said, when you when everybody got to grow in rural Oklahoma, I'm not going to get exactly what I want. I may get yeah. some stuff I want, right. but Rusty Cornwell next to me, he wants some of the stuff that he wants. Bayshore above me, he's got to grow too. And so it's a, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is, and and you. You take what what comes out at the end, and you, you do the best you can with it, and and uh, and that was all. That will be with the input of everybody in the state of Oklahoma. Yeah. And this is a fairly emotional process, I think, for a lot of representatives, <laughs> because these are these are neighborhoods where you have knocked doors mm-hmm. for you yeah. know however many years, um, and it feels like you know this is this is the district that you represent, but you might have to give that up. You might have to gain an area that you don't really know a whole lot of, about. And so this is, you know, Chairman Martinez said, interesting, it's going to be really hard for a lot of folks in this building to figure out, you know, what they're willing to compromise, what they're not willing to compromise. So um, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that I'm a vice chair and not a chair. <laughs> and we've all got former members that, that, like I mentioned, I have three predecessors that are still living and and they're territorial about district right. five they they were <clears throat> right. part of district five yeah. they you yeah. know, we're going back to almost 40 years of uh, representation and so there was one map that i was looking at that had one of my predecessors totally out of their district i'm like <laughs> you, you, you can't do that yeah, this is, get killed on yeah. This yeah. And so it's it uh it's, it's been a learning curve for everybody mm-hmm. um I, emily mentioned that, that she was here you know when they did the, the one in 2010 so she I, I, she, I guess this is a little bit of experience for you. Um, well, yeah. I also, that was my first year in the legislature. So I generally had no idea yeah. what was going on. Trying to, trying to figure everything out. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, so before we leave session, we will have, um, we'll, we'll have our, the house version of our districts drawn before that we, we constitutionally have to. And then the numbers from the feds will come in sometime this summer. And then we will look at those numbers and then come back in special and finalize everything. Yeah. So, so what you'll see is this, this has to move through the legislative process like any other bill. Yeah. So, you know, the Senate is doing the same thing and working through the same public input process and everything. That's one thing that has happened. That's been pretty good this time that didn't 10 years ago, from my understanding mm-hmm. Yeah. is we've really true. been on the same page right. as far as engaging the public, 
we're using the same exact uh, software to draw maps. That wasn't the case last time. There was two different softwares. Everyone was kind of doing their own thing. So that's been pretty good. Um, so these maps, they'll have to pass off the House floor and off the Senate floor and eventually be signed by the governor, just yeah. like any other bill. Um, so we plan on having that done before we leave here. Yeah. Now, the congressional stuff, as mentioned before, we're going to have to wait to get those exact numbers from the Census Bureau. And we are anticipating maybe in some districts there might be some, a little bit of change or deviation yeah. that we didn't expect. So there might be some small adjustments that have to occur to legislative boundaries when we're back for special session. Well, closing statements. Start out with uh, Chairman Pay here. What do, you, what do you want to tell the the people of the most popular podcast in the world. <laughs> well, thanks again, Josh and Colin, for having us on and talk about this very uh, relevant topic. Uh, the next deadline for housekeeping purposes, uh, Sunday, April 4th, if you want to submit a public map, uh, do it by that time. And then we'll have uh, a week in April where we will uh, review those public maps um, and uh, go from there. Uh, but like I said earlier, it's an honor to be um, on this committee, uh, working with fantastic uh, representatives who are passionate up. about... Butter, that? butter me up. Butter, butter <laughs> up. He's talking about us. Oh, uh, you're, you're okay, Josh. Yeah, you're okay. Uh, but, but it only happens once every 10 years. So we take this very seriously, and uh, and the staff does as well. Um, so stay tuned. We'll, we'll keep working at it. Lady Virgin. Yeah, so one thing that we haven't mentioned is that the state has partnered with Dave's Redistricting. Mm -hmm. So there's an app that you can use. I know a lot of people who are following this conversation are probably like, well, how do I even draw a map? Um, so you can download the Dave's Redistricting app, and Oklahoma's partnered with them. So you can draw your own map through that app on your phone, or your. I assume there's a computer yep. app as well. Yep. Um, so you can submit a map that way as well. But you know, it's also if even if you don't want to submit a map, you can go through and sort of see what we're going through and play with the lines and see how it affects everything else. Because you can see the historical boundaries, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's what I would. That's what I would want everyone to know. Yeah, so uh, same here. I mean, I'm honored to be even be part of the process and to kind of learn and work with great people. I want to tip my hat to Lita Virgin. She's been very helpful. I do think that a lot of times there's this idea that we're not working together on anything, and that's just not the truth. And I think that's a testament to her leadership of her caucus and willingness to— uh, yeah, Well, that's based off perceptions out of DC. It is. That's yeah. right. And I'm so, still not voting for your bill, Ryan. <laughs> that's okay. I, 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 I could pretty much count on that being a no, and, and I get it. So, uh, But, no, so I, I appreciate that. I think well, it's gone well. You. We have a great staff, mm -hmm. and uh, we're working hard together. And uh, I really also wanted to say to those who have been engaged in the public in this, thank you. Um, I know a lot of times it might be uncomfortable— or uh, for some people, it's hard to, you know, approach the representative or anybody else. But there's been a lot of there's been a lot of engagement. I hope that continues. Uh, check out our website. Just if you go to the okhouse.gov website, there's a little lead you to the redistricting uh, area. All the resources that we have, those are all open for public uh, consumption, including notes, videos from the uh, actual town hall meetings. Mm -hmm. So if you are interested in watching those, please do it. Any map that members see, it's on there all those resources. Um, so, yeah, check those out. If you're interested, contact my office, contact your representative, get engaged. We want you to be part of this. These, th This is the map that belongs to the people of Oklahoma, and uh, please get engaged, and right I appreciate on. being on the show. Right now, Well, Chairman Martinez, Leader Virgin, Chairman Pay, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Representative Walker had to step out. I think he had a a docket or something to attend. He's so busy. He is. He's a, he's a law dog. If you want, if you <laughs> want I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to scream something really loud. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. if you could, like, yeah. Rip your tie off. Some veins and, and growing out yeah. of your yeah. neck. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for joining us. You can catch our podcast on Spotify or go to okhouse.gov, click the podcast menu, and so help us reach uh, 200 million listeners. That's right. Uh, I think you'll get there next week. We're pretty close. This is going to be the one. I'll put you over the top. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week.